The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. There's a strong link between sports and medicine. If you're not at the top of your medical game, you can't play well, or you just can't play. Welcome to Bruce the Sports Doc with medical expert Dr. Bruce Grossinger. This program looks at advances and breakthroughs in medicine and how it relates to sports. Plus, you'll receive preventative tips and analysis of sports injuries this week. Now, here's Bruce the Sports Doc. Welcome to the newest segment of Bruce the Sports Doc. I'm your host, Dr. Bruce Grossinger, and this show deals with the mixture and collision of sports and sports medicine. In this segment, we're going to talk about the recent updates on several important injuries, including the ACL tear by Derek Rose of the Chicago Bears, in addition to the progress of Ryan Howard and his torn Achilles of the Philadelphia Phillies, and the struggles of Chase Utley, the second baseman for the Philadelphia Phillies, who is trying to recover from bilateral knee injuries. First, you recall that the reigning MVP of the NBA, Derek Rose of the Chicago Bulls, suffered an ACL tear earlier in the series with the Philadelphia 76ers. There was about a minute left in the game. There was a lot of controversy about whether Coach Tom Thibodeau should have even had Rose in the game at that point. They had a 12-point lead, and by all accounts, the game was over. But who could know, who could predict that Derek Rose would have suffered this injury? He drove down the lane, had no contact, and when his foot landed, all the forces went into his knee. The ACL is a ligament which stabilizes the knee with respect to sliding forward. The ACL tear, as you know, is a devastating injury, which usually requires 8 to 12 months following surgery in order to return to the field of play. This injury occurred in game one and involved his left knee. Derek Rose is not going for immediate surgery. There was so much swelling in his left knee and so much weakness with respect to the quadriceps, that's the muscle that controls knee extension, that he had to go into something called prehab. Prehab is a newfangled term which consists of physical therapy where they reduce swelling using ice, electrical stimulation, and ultrasound while strengthening supporting muscles. The supporting muscles of the knee include the quadriceps, which extend the knee, and the adductors, which bring the knees together. And finally, 
muscles of the hamstrings, which insert posteriorly. So they figured that the best chance of a recovery with respect to the ACL reconstruction would be to make sure the knee was optimum, that the tissue planes were visible, that the fluid, the what we call edema, which is local fluid in the knee, is to a minimum before the surgery. And this would allow him to recover from the surgery quicker. Also, the idea of prehab is certainly a, uh, a fairly new concept. And this involves actually strengthening the quadriceps muscle. The quad is the main muscle of the thigh. And actually strengthening it prior to the surgery. And that would enable him to jump into rehab. The projected recovery for Derek Rose is approximately eight months. And as of an update from the Chicago Tribune on May 5th, 2012, the surgery has not yet been scheduled, but could take place as soon as next week. There is some good news for the Chicago Bulls. Luel Dang, their three-point star, big, thin forward, has been playing despite a wrist injury. I've been trying to get you an update and to see exactly where the injury is. This might be a TFCC tear, but this is only speculation. The good news is that Dang rained a series of three-pointers as the 24-second clock was winding down in order to put the dagger in the Philadelphia 76ers and to force a game six at the Wells Fargo Center in Philadelphia. Other good news for the Bulls, Senator Joakim Noah, who had what appeared to be a grade three ankle strain, where he landed at his ankle completely twisted under him, and, there, and thus requiring uh, missing the last game and a half, is continuing to rehab the ankle, and he's listed as day-to-day by the uh, Chicago Bulls. So it's possible that Noah could return. If he does, he'll probably have, at minimum, a very heavy tape job on the ankle, and he may wear a lightweight, supportive ankle brace. I'll keep you updated on that. Let's move to Major League Baseball. The Philadelphia Phillies, injury-plagued in last place. Their all-star second baseman, Chase Utley, has left the Phillies and has been rehabbing in Arizona, but it's stated in the philly.com that in approximately one week, he's going to go to Clearwater to see a specialist. I've been trying to read reports about his updates with respect to his knees, but the Phillies and Utley himself have been rather tight-lipped. The best I could tell is that Utley suffers from patellar tendinitis and chondromalacia. Let me explain those terms. Let's talk about patellar tendinitis. Patellar tendinitis is an injury that affects the tendon connecting the kneecap, which is called the patellar, to your shin bone, which is the tibia. The patellar tendon plays a pivotal role in the way you use your leg muscles. It helps your muscles extend your knee 
So you could kick a ball, run uphill, and jump in the air. The injury itself, the patellar tendonitis, is often called jumper's knees. And it is most common in sports that involve jumping, such as basketball and volleyball. In the case of Chase Utley, as you know, a second baseman has to uh, do a, a fair amount of jumping when they play the field. That is, a lot of times when there's a double play, they have to jump up to avoid a sliding runner. So with respect to Mr. Utley, there's a good chance that the pivoting and jumping, either during the course of his play or potentially during his, tra- his training, overlying you know, his, uh, his career, he is, it's given rise to this patellar tendonitis. There are certain high-impact ways of training. One particularly is called plyometrics, where you basically, uh, it involves a jumping and uh, running type of an activity, and it can be done on uneven stairs. Plyometrics, which is a great training exercise, has been known uh, to have some adverse effects, and one of them is the genesis of patellar tendonitis. In Chase Utley's case, he's attended various forms of physical therapy and rehabilitation. Last year, he missed most of the season, but came back in the playoffs to hit over 400 in a losing effort against the St. Louis Cardinals, who eventually won the World Series. It's thought that his rehab in Arizona involved re-education of the knee and quadriceps and also a training program in order to uh, reduce the inflammation and to allow him to return to the field of play. There may be a condition called chondromalacia, which is a degenerative cartilage problem with the knees. Chase Utley is in a pivotal, pivotal point in his career in that he's approaching a time where normally he would be in line for a, a multi-year contract. And given his performance... Without the knee injury, the upside would be uh, incredible. So he's really in a tough position. Do you go back to, uh, to playing with the knee injury, perform poorly, have bad statistics, and lose a lot of traction with respect to leverage in the contract? Or alternatively, do you miss more time, you appear as damaged goods, and therefore not only do you um, lose leverage with the Phillies, but you also... Uh, run a strong risk of other teams wanting to stay away from you because you'd be perceived as damaged goods. So we're going to be following the course of Chase Utley, certainly one of my favorite players. Uh, Bruce, the sports talk show is based in Philadelphia, and it's no secret that uh, Spencer the Wizard and I are big Chase Utley fans and big Phillies fans. In looking at the, the early woes of the Phillies it appears they really don't have any leadership when when Charlie Manuel the manager was asked uh, who's leading the team who are the vocal leaders he couldn't even name one it's clear that Ryan Howard and Chase Utley the veterans who normally pose that as uh, as leaders and certainly in such a slump as they are now you'd normally look to Chase and Ryan for guidance, and right now, there appears to be very little. This segment went by very quickly. Stay tuned for the next next segment of Bruce the Sports Doc. 
right here on the Voice America Sports Network. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Dr. Bruce Grossinger is a board-certified neurologist and managing partner of Grossinger Neuropain Specialist. Serving the Philadelphia and Wilmington, Delaware areas in the fields of sports medicine, pain management, interventional spinal surgeries, and occupational medicine, Dr. Bruce is the director of the National Sports Concussion Program and works as a senior medical advisor for the National High School Coaches Association. We're involved in the propagation of increased safety measures in all levels of sports participation to render the games safer in terms of brain and spinal injuries. Injuries. This involves education of athletes, parents, trainers, coaches, and administrators at the amateur and professional levels. Clinical consultations and treatment can be scheduled directly with Dr. Grossinger at 610-521-6063. Visit Dr. Bruce online at brucethesportsdoc.com. Again, for consultations and treatment, call 610-521-6063 or visit brucethesportsdoc.com. This Is It Sports is an engaging talk program that includes you, the experts, and sports, all moderated by Coach Carl Hargrave. We'll talk about what's going on in the general sports world, collegiate and professional, take a look at youth-oriented sports, athletic development and sportsmanship, faith, and where it has its place in sports, along with a lively discussion with Coach Carl every week. Tune in to This Is It Sports with Coach Carl Hargrave every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You are listening to Bruce the Sports Doc with Dr. Bruce Grossinger. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call in at 1 888 346 9144. That's 1 888 346 9144. Or send an email to Bruce at BruceTheSportsDoc.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the next segment of Bruce the Sports Doc and Spencer the Wizard at Wiz City. I'm your host, Dr. Bruce Grossinger. I want to thank the sports director, Ray Ellis, and I want to thank the Voice American Network right up and down the line for allowing us to host our show. This segment is going to deal with NFL Roundup. We'll talk about some of the uh, hot stove going on with the rookie camps. But first, I want to lead off with a tribute to a, uh, a wonderful football player and a wonderful human being. I never met him, but I've heard a lot of eulogies from people who did. And this week... Not only the NFL, but planet Earth lost a great man, Junior Seau, number 55 from USC Trojans, always will be remembered as a San Diego Charger. What I remember about watching his 20-year illustrious career is his childlike enthusiasm for the game, his leadership, and uh, everybody he touched has a smile on their face. This week, eerily familiar to the Dave Dorsett situation last year. Junior Sale, without warning, without a suicide note, 
put a gun in his chest and pulled the trigger, and he was gone. We're left to speculate why. And certainly in, in talking to his grieving parents, the media noted that he suffered many concussions and that they acknowledged that football is a, uh, it's a game of collisions. And uh, unlike some of the, the players who have killed themselves in the NFL, this guy had everything to live for. Uh, he, he supposedly had a good relationship with his girlfriend. He was financially in excellent shape. He owned a lot of businesses, was well-liked. 43 years old. He did not have crippling arthritis. Uh, by, by all accounts, he was still a gregarious personality. So, it mat- so, so I guess the question is, as a neurologist, number one, will his family allow his brain to be sectioned? Two competing groups... Dr. Amalo from West Virginia, and then the group with, uh, with Chris Nowinski from Boston. In some ways, um, they have an academic rivalry for, uh, for doing the neuropath of these people with CTE. And is it another brick in the wall? Is, is another piece of evidence, sad, tragic as it is, that cumulative collisions, concussions, Sub-concussive hits give rise to this entity, not only of uh, dementia, but also psychiatric imbalance, derangement, paranoia, to the point where people who seemingly had their whole life ahead of them and who were, albeit retired, the Dave Dorsons and Junior Seals, the Andre Waters, just went ahead and killed themselves. That remains a question and we will continue to provide you with updates on the junior sale story on a lighter note i want to introduce my co-host uh spencer grossinger my son and i'd like him to uh give us a little around the league rookie camps and also his predictions early predictions albeit about the upcoming nfl season Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. Um, I'm Spencer the Wizard Grossinger, um, and I think it would be inappropriate for me not to mention um, my thoughts and feelings about Junior Seau. Um, I was born in 1994, and I'm currently 17 years old and turning 18 this summer. I remember having a Junior Seau action figure growing up. Um, from 1994 to, to the 2000s. I remember him faintly as a, as a great linebacker and as a football player, but, you know, watching NFL Live and, uh, and hearing, you know, what his former players had to say about Junior Seau, um, I have ultimate respect for him. Um, they said that his work ethic in the locker room and the way he, he outworked every linebacker in the league and he perfected the position. He was given um, he was given uh, natural talent from God, God-given abilities, but he still worked at the game and tried to perfect the art of being a linebacker in the NFL. Um, 
his teammates said that he was just a joyous personality, just fun, and that his personality ra- radiated throughout um, the, the locker room and the teammates. Um, it's tragic that Junior Seau's life is over, and it's tragic for the children um, and his girlfriend that he left behind in his family. Um, I'm sure everyone loved to be in this man's presence, and it's just sad that... Um, his life had to end in such a tragic way, and I pray for Junior Seau up in heaven. May he rest in peace, and I also pray for Junior Seau's family, and my prayers and blessings go out to them. Um, and on on a lighter note, um, for 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 the NFL, um, y- you know, as as my dad led me into, um, we can talk um about the about the NFL draft since it's really current. We could talk about, um, there's a couple teams that, that made great moves in the draft. Um, my opinions, I think that Dallas made a great move getting Maurice Claiborne. I think that his talent at LSU, he's a guy that, you know, can really run around the football field and he, he just has a knack for the ball and he can tackle really well, but his speed is just incredible speed. So I thought that that was a good move for them to trade up in the first round. Um, what Cleveland did was interesting. It was bold. They got two of the most popular players in college football that were in the draft. They got Oklahoma State's um, Brandon Whedon, who, whose team won the Fiesta Bowl, and he's 28 years old, but he was a gunslinging quarterback from Oklahoma State who threw the ball to Justin Blackman. And they also got um, Trent Richardson, who was part of the national champion um, Alabama Crimson Tide this year, um, who was a Heisman a Trophy candidate and who was, a, who was a great running back for them for three years um, in Tuscaloosa. So Cleveland made a splash. I liked what Cleveland dis- did, but they had Start, they have to start weeding immediately this year. I think that Colt McCoy and the whole Colt McCoy um, experiment, I, I just don't think he gave that pop to Cleveland's offense. And since Whedon's 28 years old already, I think he needs to be given his shot and be incorporated immediately for them to be a success right now. Um, and then the Eagles, I thought, really made a great pick with Fletcher Cox in the first round. I think that the the risk of that pick is uh, not a not not a high risk, and I think he's going to fit right in and then make an immediate impact in their defensive line. Um, and you know, I thought that um, so so that those are my like winners of the first round. Um, what what are your opinions, uh, Bruce, about the draft? Um, what, what teams did you like? Maybe what team did you think uh, didn't get the players that they needed to get? Uh, what were your opinions about the NFL draft? Well, one thing mom, grandmom always taught me is know your limitations. I have not been uh, – I've watched the draft peripherally, and you are just a student of the draft. So I, I'm going to pass on that question because I'd like to get right into uh, – the uh, New York Jets, Tim Tebow, Mark Sanchez, because uh, I think I'm better equipped to answer that question. I think it was really fascinating that uh, Rex Ryan went out and got Tim Tebow. Uh, Tim Tebow, um, uh, Mark Sanchez is, is certainly a popular player, but Tim Tebow is a rock star in the NFL. He had an incredible season. He brought the Denver Broncos back from the dead. And while obviously not progressing to the Super Bowl, he uh, has a legacy of fans all over the country, not only for his football ability, but for his, uh, his philosophy, his, uh, his belief in God, 
and his um, squeaky clean image. And I think he's a great role model for for, for anybody, uh, child or adult. And I, like many people, believe that uh, th- the plan is just to keep him as a wildcat. Um, I think there's going to be a uh, competition, and not not in- immediately, but uh, I saw Sanchez's performance last year was was just was terrible. It looks like he's he's gone in a backwards direction. And we'll see whether this uh, – people either get better or worse. So Sanchez is either going to rebound, it'd be great, and uh, Tebow will be a backup or, or, or a gimmick player. Or if uh, Sanchez continues to move backwards, I've, I've, I've heard reports – again, a little snippet of, of the uh, training camp. I've heard reports that, uh, that Tebow's really making progress with respect to his, uh, his throwing – his accuracy, and his mechanics. So uh, we look forward to, uh, looks like the time on this segment has, has gone. And uh, there's, there's uh, the, the segment three I think you'll find very interesting is a sports medical segment. And then I think uh, you'll, you'll come back to Spencer and me for the fourth segment. We're going we're gonna to begin with, with more NFL, and we're going to end the show talking about some fascinating um, – Matchups in the NBA playoffs going into the second round. Again, this is Bruce the Sports Doc with City. We'll see you in three. Your internet flagship station for sports. America Sports. Dr. Bruce Grossinger is a board-certified neurologist and managing partner of Grossinger Neuropain Specialist. Serving the Philadelphia and Wilmington, Delaware areas in the fields of sports medicine, pain management, interventional spinal surgeries, and occupational medicine, Dr. Bruce is the director of the National Sports Concussion Program and works as a senior medical advisor for the National High School Coaches Association. We're involved in the propagation of increased safety measures in all levels of sports participation to render the games safer in terms of brain and spinal injuries. This involves education of athletes, parents, trainers, coaches, and administrators at the amateur and professional levels. Clinical consultations and treatment can be scheduled directly with Dr. Grossinger at 610-521-6063. Visit Dr. Bruce online at brucethesportsdoc.com. Again, for consultations and treatment, call 610-521-6063 or visit brucethesportsdoc.com. Kevin Lewis has been a student of the game his entire life. From Little League to the NFL. Tune in Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on Voice America Sports. Hustling with K. Lewis. It's not where you start, it's how you finish. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You are listening to Bruce the Sports Doc with Dr. Bruce Grossinger. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call in at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to bruce at brucethesportsdoc.com. Now, back to the show. Hey, what's up? Welcome to the newest edition of Wiz City and Bruce the Sports Doc. We are coasting right now. It is 
Bruce and Wiz, open road baby, say, say hi Dr. Bruce. Welcome to the listeners. Absolutely. Um, that, that was flawless by the way. Your intro, unbelievable. And uh, we're right here. We're just coasting and we're actually going down to Jersey this weekend. It's a beautiful weekend, beautiful spring day, May 12th. So for the listeners right now, the first topic we're going to be talking about on this beautiful day, we're going to be talking about some NBA playoffs because right now the NBA playoffs are right in full bloom. The first round is concluding. We still have some game sevens and some series that are still going on. But right now, the second round is mostly set up. Um, since we live in Philadelphia, we have definitely had our fair share of, um, of Sixers basketball over the years. And we and definitely our primary focus, we focus all around the NBA, but our primary focus was Sixers-Bulls. So Bruce the Sports Doc, first off, I want to hear your inputs on the series and uh, just talk about your thoughts on Sixers-Bulls. Well, essentially... The number one seed Chicago Bulls were in position to smoke the Sixers. But instead, Derrick Rose came down on his left knee, tore his ACL, and will be out for 8 to 12 months. And also, uh, not Yannick Noah, that's his dad, who's a very good tennis player, Joakim Noah, uh, the, the, the powerful setter for the Bulls, came down and had what I would call a grade 3 ankle strain. And without those, two, without those two players, they really were hamstrung. And uh, it all came down to Game 6 in Philly, where the most unlikely person to be clutch, Andre Iguodala, came down, grabbed a rebound, went coast-to-coast, got fouled, and hit two free throws to win by one point. And it basically sent the Sixers meteoring into the second round against the Boston Celtics. Spence, I know you've been focusing on the West, we saw a great game last night where Memphis beat the Clippers to force Game 7 in Memphis. Could you break it down for us? Absolutely. Well, in the West, we've had two series that have been complete blowouts. Um, San Antonio and Utah. San Antonio just annihilated the Utah Jazz. Utah had no business playing with the San Antonio Spurs. Um, that series was kind of a joke. San Antonio rolled them 4-0. You look at the Dallas-Oklahoma series, now the score of that series can be a little bit deceiving because for the first two games in Oklahoma City, Dallas actually had a chance to definitely steal a game and take it back to the a, um, take it back to the American Airlines Center one all and have a legitimate chance to win the series. But the first game they were up by seven with two minutes left and Jason Kidd had a three that was pretty wide open, and that would have gave Dallas a 10-point lead and pretty much iced the game in Game 1. They didn't close Oklahoma City out when they had the chance to, um, and Oklahoma City came back in Game 1, and Durant hit that floater, which everyone's seen, where it hit the front rim but had such a shooter's touch that it rolled in, and, uh, and then Oklahoma City managed to again come back in game two where they had a chance. So Dallas, after being demoralized from not taking advantage of their opportunities on the road, um, couldn't get it together at home and ended up getting swept as well. Um, so then that leaves us with Los Angeles and the, and the Grizzlies. That's been the best series by far. Um, the first game, Nick Young and the Clippers went on that famous run 
where they were down by, I want to say, they were down actually by like 22 points going into the fourth quarter. They went on a 26-3 run and ended up winning the basketball game. Uh, probably the, one of the most famous comebacks um, in the in the last couple of years or so, maybe of, of playoff history. So, um, so the Clippers then gained momentum early with that huge comeback in Memphis. Um, but then Memphis down 3-1 in the series, battled back at home, held Game 5, held serve in Game 5, and then last night was a great basketball game. Los Angeles was up by 6 in the fourth quarter, but Zach Randolph and Marcus Gasol were huge in that in that fourth quarter, along with Mike Conley. Conley hit huge, huge threes, and um, Zach Randolph rebounding the ball was just incredible. His will to win, 17 points, 16 boards, played a monster game in fourth quarter. So, you know, Memphis's experience, I think they'll blow Los Angeles out um, in uh, in the last game, Game 7. So, you know, Bruce, what, what other series, you know, um, and what other games got, uh, call your mind during the NBA playoff? Well, I think that we'd be remiss if we don't talk about the uh, the favorites to win the NBA championship, and that would be the Miami Heat. LeBron James, Dwayne Wayne are certainly playing like champions. They, for the most part have outclassed the New York Knicks throughout the playoffs. There was one token game where Melo and Amari, uh, Amari came back from his sliced head from his uh, anger management where he actually sliced his hand up and half his head was hanging off and it had to be stitched up. Somewhat remarkable, frankly, that he was able to come back in the series and play. But other than that one game, the Heat have been absolutely dominant. And LeBron is a man with a mission. It has just been announced that LeBron James has won his third MVP. Now, what separates LeBron from the other five guys that have won three or more MVPs? There is only one thing. Do you know what that one is, Spence? Championships. Yes, LeBron has no rings, no championships. I believe that will change. My prediction is that the Thunder will play the Heat, East versus West, West versus East, and I believe the Heat will come out and will win that series in six games. Well, I definitely agree with one of your statements. And the Miami Heat right now with Derrick Rose going down. Derrick Rose and the Chicago Bulls were the only team in the Eastern Conference that had a legitimate chance of beating the Miami Heat in a playoff series. Indiana doesn't hold a candle to Miami. Boston are the Sixers. Boston's too old to hang with them. The Sixers are too young and too undeveloped. Don't have a big man inside. So Miami is going to get an easy, easy road to the finals. They'll beat the Pacers in about five games, even though Danny Granger and Paul George are playing good basketball right now. So Miami is definitely in. Then in the West, this is my question for you, Bruce. So you like Oklahoma City, but what do you think about San Antonio and the Lakers? Because those are the other two possibilities, in my opinion, that could come out of the West in the finals. Well, interesting. San Antonio is the number one seed in the West, and I'll admit to not having watched many games. Looking at Tony Parker, looking at Mano Ginobili, certainly looking at that team, there's, there are some young players who, who seem to gel very well. Uh, Greg Popovich, always a great coach. So you can never count San Antonio out. Looking at the Lakers, uh, I I see some chemistry problems. I I saw that Kobe Bryant obviously has been ill with the virus for the last two games, and they've lost 
Certainly the Nuggets are making the series going to a Game 7. But I believe the uh, the Lakers will squeak through. I believe, though, and our guy, Meta World Peace, we should call him, instead of World Peace, we should call him Anger Management for that beautiful forearm shiver on James Harden. But I, I do believe that the Lakers will fade. I do believe that San Antonio will fade. When I look at James Harden, who just won sixth man of the year, I, I just look at Westbrook and I just look at uh, uh, I just look at their team and I, I I believe the Thunder really have it all together. They're really passing well. And James Harden really is like the captain of the second five when he comes out and he's just played some great basketball. So I, I think the Thunder uh, are are gonna you know face the heat and I think it'll be a good series. I, San Antonio has the experience factor on Oklahoma City. And Oklahoma City, when Russell Westbrook takes too many shots, is not... It depends really how Westbrook and how the team is playing. If the Thunder are shooting well, they can... If the Thunder are shooting well, they can beat anybody in the league. If Westbrook, Durant, and Harden are all playing up to their potential in a game, the game is going to be over. So... I believe Oklahoma City will make it to the conference finals. Um, I, I think that they'll beat the Lakers. The Lakers, it's interesting. When the Lakers play first-round games, like when, when, they, when they've been playing the Nuggets, even if the Nuggets look really good and are really coming back, I just like, I'm so used to Kobe Bryant at this point that I just have this confidence about him that the Lakers are going to win it, it, the series no matter what. Like, even if they're really struggling, even if Denver has a lot of momentum going into Game 7, I just know, especially when the game's at the Staples Center, I just have this confidence that the Lakers are going to come through. So, um, but I see Oklahoma City, I agree with you. Here's where I separate my opinion. I like San Antonio. I like them better than Oklahoma City because they have the experience factor. They have Parker, Ginobili, and Tim Duncan all playing at a high level. They realize that this is their last, probably their last go around. They have their best chance now to get maybe one more championship banner to be hung up from the AT&T Center in San Antonio, Texas. So this is their golden opportunity, and I think they're going to seize it. Tony Parker... I just believe he's a better facilitator than Westbrook. I believe that he knows what he's doing. Dewan Blair, Gary Neal, they just have so many pieces that can back up their three players. I like San Antonio in Miami and Miami to meet in the finals. And to be honest, that's going to be a very hard series to preview. But right now, I'm just going to settle right now with the NBA Finals. Um, that's the end of our first segment right now on NBA Playoff Basketball. Stay tuned. We've got some exciting things to talk about. We're going to talk about some NFL football next, the draft, and the status of some teams. NFL football is always in season. We're going to bring it to you next. Bruce the Sports Doc coming back in the room. to the pros we, we cover everything let your voice be heard voice america sports dr bruce grossinger is a board certified neurologist and managing partner of grossinger neuropain specialist 
Serving the Philadelphia and Wilmington, Delaware areas in the fields of sports medicine, pain management, interventional spinal surgeries, and occupational medicine, Dr. Bruce is the director of the National Sports Concussion Program and works as a senior medical advisor for the National High School Coaches Association. We're involved in the propagation of increased safety measures in all levels of sports participation to render the games safer in terms of brain and spinal injuries. This involves education of athletes, parents, trainers, coaches, and administrators at the amateur and professional levels. Clinical consultations and treatment can be scheduled directly with Dr. Grossinger at 610-521-6063. Visit Dr. Bruce online at brucethesportsdoc.com. Again, for consultations and treatment, call 610-521-6063 or visit brucethesportsdoc.com. The job of a professional athlete is never complete. In Life After the Game, host Lamar Campbell will take an inside look at how athletes are making the transition from the professional athletics world to the professional business world. You'll understand the goals, motivations, and personalities that drive these players off the field and in their post-professional career. Tune in to Life After the Game with Lamar Campbell every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You are listening to Bruce the Sports Doc with Dr. Bruce Grossinger. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call in at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to bruce at brucethesportsdoc.com. Now... Back to the show. Welcome to the fourth and final segment of Bruce the Sports Talk at Wiz City. I'm your host, Dr. Bruce Grossinger with Spencer the Wizard. And we're going to launch into uh, uh, what I think will be an enjoyable fourth segment. We're basically going back to Tim Tebow land and the New York Jets. And we're going to finish with a whole lot of NBA action. Again, my co-host Spencer, I know he's got some thoughts on Tebow, Sanchez, and Rex Ryan, the big three in New York. Well, uh, this is a very popular um, topic here um, with Tim Tebow and the New York Jets, and I could pretty much talk about this all through the offseason. I have a ton of opinions on this. Um, I've followed the Jets for a while. I I live pretty close to New York, Um, but with Rex Ryan and watching Hard Knocks, that's really when I fell in love with the team and their philosophy. Um, I like Rex Ryan as a coach. You know, he's he's a really passionate coach. Um, and he's really intense and he likes the game of football. Now I know that he can, you know, sometimes use that, um, use his emotions can get the best of him. And that's why some fans dislike him because, you know, I know that he, he thinks, um, that his team is the best and he might have an ego and he might like have done some things like in Miami where he like flipped off fans, but, I really like Rex Ryan as a person, but getting the Tim Tebow, and Mark Sanchez, I'm just going to give you my opinions right now on what's going to transpire this year. I believe that Mark Sanchez, watching him throw the football, I believe he could be a decent NFL quarterback. Like I never saw the flashes of like Roethlisberger or like an Eli Manning. Like I don't think he can make that 15 yard out pass. I think that he throws the ball for a lot of zip. I think he could throw a deep ball, but I just think he's not that tall. Um, and 
I just believe that he just he he doesn't have the consistent deep throw, of throwing accuracy. Now, when they actually let Sanchez loose to throw the football, he mostly dumped it off to the running back, which is not going to accomplish a lot. You have to throw it to your wide receivers and not just your tight ends and running backs. Sanchez uses Keller too much as a safety blanket. You never really see him use Plexigo Burris the way Eli Manning used him, the way he was used in Pittsburgh. Santonio Holmes, he could hit him for five-yard slants, and Holmes can get the yards after the catch, but... I just believe that with Tim Tebow coming in, I don't think Tebow will be a Wildcat quarterback because I think Tim Tebow is more of a competitor than that. I don't think he wants to go down and retire as just a utility quarterback. I think he wants to be a starting quarterback. Even when he was at Florida, he overtook Chris Leak when Chris Leak graduated from Florida, and he became the guy. I think that Tim Tebow... He went into this league, and a lot of people told him to be a tight end or a running back. He said, no, I want to be the guy behind center throwing the football. Now, with Mark Sanchez, he had enough trouble last year being the starting quarterback alone without having to sit out of play off the field. Like, imagine you being a quarterback, and you're not knowing when your number's going to be pulled. You can be playing a great game, and then you'll just have to randomly come to the sidelines to see this fan favorite Tim Tebow come on the field for a wildcat play. And then you'll have to go back into the huddle. Your rhythm will be disrupted. Mark Sanchez wasn't that effective without disruptive rhythm. And that's why I believe that he will falter. The fans in New York are the quickest fans to jump off Mark Sanchez. Last year, they they really disliked the way he was playing the game. And frankly, he wasn't getting a lot done anyway. New York fans are not forgiving fans. They're very passionate fans, but again, they expect excellence. And that's why Tim Tebow... The backup quarterback is always the most popular player on the team because he gets along with the guys, but also because he, if the starting quarterback's not doing well, the fans always want to see what the backup can have to see if he can incorporate himself in the offense. And Tim Tebow proved he can win football games. My opinion is that Tim Tebow will start week seven for the New York Jets. Mark Sanchez will have six weeks to be the starting quarterback. The Jets will be a 500 or worse football team. I don't see them being that great this year. Um, with Mark Sanchez at the helm, I think that Tim Tebow will then be the starting quarterback going forward. And I think Tim Tebow will have a year like he did last year. I don't think he'll set the world on fire, but I believe that he will have his moments, but he will also have fallbacks. Um, and he'll probably end the year with like eight TDs, eight interceptions, and the Jets will. I believe that they'll probably fall short of a wild card or be in a wild card position. I'll have to estimate on that part of the season, but that's how I see it. So Sanchez will be, um, Sanchez will be pulled after six weeks, and this experiment will kind of all be an erratic failure. Well, um, I'd like to switch the NBA playoffs. I'd like I'd like to discuss two specific topics. Then I want Spencer. I'd like your input. You know, I always enjoy your deep analysis of of sports. And firstly, I want to talk about a preview of an upcoming series I'm really looking forward to, L.A. Lakers, Oklahoma City Thunder. And today, right off the presses here, it's a couple days before air, and we're actually, I'm sure, a production team will be happy that we're not you know, putting this thing in at the last second like we usually do. But the one thing that really stuck out in the headlines today was Meta World Peace, a.k.a. Ron Artest. I thought he really said something pretty classless. They asked him today whether he would shake hands with um, James Harden. And what he said was, curtly, he said, I don't shake hands with substitutes. That's what he said. 
I don't know if you heard that, Spencer. But that really goes against my grain. Number one, uh, the, the move, the elbow was, in my mind, intentional. He was lucky that he's even back at all in the playoffs. And, you know, James Harden, I think, is an excellent player. Um, as a fan of the Sixers, I, I, he would probably he'd probably be our best player if he came. And the fact that he chooses to be a substitute, or actually not him, but the coach chooses to have him come off the bench as a sixth person, actually run and lead the second five. Uh, just an incredible talent, incredible energy, and I think that's unbelievably classless. I'm really looking forward to the Thunder. I'm not a Lakers fan, I have to say that. I was uh, very disappointed. To s- I-, I saw the, the, the great game last night. Uh, Denver almost upset the Lakers, and uh, that would have been a great upset in my view. But uh, it's easy to root for the Thunder, and uh, the Lakers have had their day. Well, about the James Harden situation, actually, you just brought that to mind today. And first of all, James Harden is is one of the best players in the whole NBA. He can create his own shot. He averages about 19 points. Of course, he's a starter. You really think that Fabo Savalosha is a better player than James Harden? You are out of your mind. So James Harden is a starting player. He's an all-star player, Ron Artest. It's unbelievable. He's not a bench warmer. So right there, Ron Artest is just trying to get under James Harden's skin. That's what he's trying to do there. He's trying to set the fire in James Harden. And he knows that James Harden is probably an unbelievable player. We've all seen him. He can score 25 points any night he wants. He's panned out to be... He's exceeded expectations in this league. He is a great basketball player. Not good, but a great one. And he is the reason why Oklahoma City is such a great basketball team. So he is a starter, and Ron Artest is just trying to get under the skin of James Harden. Um, You should definitely shake hands with James Harden, because James Harden, Ron Artest, didn't do anything to you. On the basketball court, he didn't elbow you in the face like you did to him. He's just playing the game of basketball. Now, who knows if James Harden and Ron Artest have talked outside of the game, outside of the court, and James Harden has exchanged words to Artest. We don't know that. So we don't know that side of the story. But just basing off of seeing them play basketball, it appears Harden has done absolutely nothing to Artest. And Artest is just blatantly his fault and his own violent actions against Harden. Maybe, I don't know, out of jealousy. But anyway... Uh, this is going to be a great series. Um, the, the, right now, but um, a lot of people are saying to me is that the Lakers um, are going to be gassed after going seven with the Nuggets. I disagree. I think that the Lakers are going to be a huge test to Oklahoma City. Um, and right now, it's hard to tell. I think this series goes seven games. I really do. I think that the reason that separates the Lakers from most teams is that Gasol and Bynum inside. They have two twin towers that are the best in the league at center. And Bynum, they can get rebounds at will. Andrew Bynum is such a natural talent. When he wants to get the ball, he can get it. Pau Gasol is the same way. So down low, Oklahoma City will have a ton of trouble. Even though they have Ibaka and Perkins, they still are outclassed down low. Kobe is an all-star player. So this series goes seven. I like Durant, Westbrook, and Harden, that triple monster tandem in Oklahoma City. This series goes seven. It's going to be really close. Um, the Lakers have dealt with seven games before in the playoffs in the first round. They will not be gassed. This will be a great series. I would have flipped really quickly to uh, Sixers-Celtics. Uh, game one, it was the Sixers to win. They played a perfect game. And at the end, they, they went back to their losing ways. Essentially, uh, 
Lou Williams lost the game for him, in my view. Uh, just just hiding the ball, putting up horrible shots. Iguodala, the same thing. And what really got him to the lead was passing, teamwork, and quickness. And at the end, they went back to the old ways. I have to blame Doug Collins for uh, for not encouraging him. In that regard, I'm hoping that, that they turn it around. But uh, hats off to Ronda with 19 assists. And, uh, you know, a lot of respect and props for the Celtics for that game one win. KG, KG was on fire in that game. I don't know if the Sixers will have an answer for him. The Sixers, you know, in the, in the, in an NBA basketball game, you can get off to a great start, but you have to have that ammo coming down the stretch. You have to have those finishers that when you need a basket in the half court, in the half court, not on the break, but in the half court, you need someone who just gets it done, who isn't flashy, but can get just put it in the basket when you need. And the Celtics have a lot of options that the Sixers do not. They have Garnett. They have Paul Pierce, who is notoriously clutch. He is the truth. Um, Rayshon Rondo. So that team just flows a lot better in the half court when the game's on the line. The Sixers are a great uh, fast-breaking team. Iguodala's athletic, but Lou Williams, Iguodala, they don't have that guy that when you need a basket um, will come through a lot of the time. Um, and that's why I think I like Boston in this series, especially the Sixers. After blowing that first game, I believe the Celtics will kill in game two. Um, I see the Celtics in in five, I really do, in five at the most six games after the Sixers. You need to win a game. I think that to win an NBA playoff series, you really, really, it's necessary to win a game on the road when you're the away team. And for the Celtics, they're going to go up too well, in my opinion, and I think that they'll roll in five or six. Well, uh, I'd like the way this uh, this show went. Uh, we really covered a lot of ground. And uh, I know Spencer and I are going to be uh, we're going to be in that Wells Fargo Center for Game Four on Friday night, and you can look for us in Section One Twelve. And uh, and certainly, uh, I want to thank everybody. I want to thank Michael Mitchell, the head of production at Voice America Sports. I want to thank Ray Ellis for his continued support and tutelage. I also want to thank my co-host Spencer Grossinger, Spencer the Wizard, and. Uh, I'm going to let him sign off, but uh, I just want to thank thank all the listeners. I hope you guys are gaining momentum, enjoying, learning a little bit about medicine, and hopefully having a lot of fun with respect to uh, what we love, and that is sports. Absolutely. I just want to relay the message. Um, I just want to thank Voice America for this opportunity that I have, you know, really to cherish and get my opinions out on sports, but also to display the passions that I love. And I'm doing it with the the man that I love and Bruce Grossinger. He's the, he's the best father in the world and he's my best friend and I love him dearly. And I'm so happy that he is my co-host and, um, you know, nothing but love from, from Voice America. Meeting Ray Ellis was a blessing for us in Dallas. And he has just showed so much support in our show. And uh, we have a great working relationship with him and um, also all the heads of Voice America. Just thank you for this opportunity. And um, I want to thank all the fans out there. I hope you guys are having as much fun as we are producing this show. And uh, we really put on the show, not only for us, but for you to hear. And hopefully you guys have fun um, and, and can formulate your opinions while watching these games and the playoffs. But also you can also learn about sports medicine. My dad's one of the best in the business. And, um, you know, I just hope that you enjoy the show as much as we're putting on the show because we love our fans. And um, speaking of fans, my Twitter page is at that kid whiz 
D-A-T space K-I-D space W-I-Z at that kid Wiz. Um, I'll post questions on sports on there and uh, you'll have a chance to connect with me and I'll have a chance to connect with you guys. Um, thank you very much. Uh, from Spencer the Wizard and Bruce Grossinger, we had a great week and we wish you continue to have a great week. Thank you very much. That's it. Spencer Wizard, we're out. Thanks for joining the discussion this week on Bruce the Sports Doc. Tune in next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition with Dr. Bruce Grossinger on the Voice America Sports Channel. We'll see you then.